Earlier this year, we had um, a situation in the church where one of our young ladies was very, very, very sick. Uh, actually, I think it was January the 9th it all started. And uh, Bethany went through a very difficult, difficult time. And for about two months, it was kind of like we didn't know if she was going to make it or not. But when she made it, we talked and she said, Pastor, at some point in the future, I've got to give my testimony. Because during that time, a lot of things happened. And, uh, and, and she asked if she could give her testimony. So we, we set aside this date for that to happen. So if you're here today and you're wondering if, if God is real, you're wondering if God heals, you're wondering if God hears your prayers, it's all in the affirmative. And, and we give testimony to that today, that our God is faithful. So please give our sister Bethany Nadel a warm welcome as she comes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Good morning, church. There we go. That's on. How are we doing today? Everybody good? It's always good to be in God's house, right? Okay, bear with me. The last time I was standing on this stage giving something to this gratitude, I was seven years old, giving my very first testimony and then getting baptized. So it's been a while. But I'd like to open up in prayer. Father God, thank you so much for being who you are, for knitting every single person that's here together before we were even physically here. Lord God, you know our past, you know our present, and you know where we're going to be in the future, and we thank you all for it, the good, the bad, the ugly, the hard, the tired, the wonderful, everything. We thank you all for it, and we hope it all comes together for your glory in the end. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. I would like to open with a scripture slash uh, a definition, which is in the Bible. Hebrews 11:1 1 says, Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So often, we, don't, we have no idea what is around the corner for us on any given day. Um, that's why having faith is so important, because he knows. <laughs> so stick with him. He, he'll, he'll get you through it. I'm going to take you guys back to about a year. And, oh, I'm sorry. Thank you, live feed, for being here. I don't want to think I don't know you're here. My mother-in-law in in California, Lisa, we love you so much, and we're so glad you're here. I have an aunt watching at home whose dog swallowed a rock, and she can't be here. So thank you for everyone on live stream who's tuning in right now. Um, So it's August 2021. But August 2020... Our lives, my husband and I, and our family's lives changed forever. Our son Silas was finally born. We had been trying for years and praying and crying out, God win! And he said, August. So we had our son, and he was such an answer to prayer. Um, I ended up having an emergency C-section. Takes a lot on a woman's body, if any other women can relate. Um, and Silas also had very low blood sugars at the beginning. Uh, so we were stuck in the hospital with him for about a week. And it was very scary because they... They were basically saying, we're not comfortable with you taking your son home yet because it's not safe. And I'm like, well, why? Why isn't this safe? So he had to get a handle on eating and stuff like that. And he, of course he did. And we had to trust in the Lord, but lots of tears, lots of wondering, lots of waiting. And God came through above and beyond. Um, When you heal from a C-section, it's about three months of a window for you to start feeling back to your normal self. And, um... 
I was coming up on that point and I was so excited because it was November in 2020 and my birthday's in November. It starts off the holidays with Thanksgiving and all that. So I was so excited going into the month and I'm like, I can't wait to just enjoy my baby now. Now that the painful stuff is over, I'm excited. And I got hit with gallbladder issues. It runs in my family. They said I had the three F's. I was female, French, and fertile. So it was pretty much bound to happen, Um, the things you learn. And um, I had it scheduled, but I ended up going in through the emergency room because I just could not handle the pain. I said, oh, I can finally say I've had a baby and this is worse, you know? And um, I just, they took me right in, and I ended up having what was supposed to be an in- like one day in and out, laparoscopic gallbladder surgery, turned into a three-day hospital stay, an ERCP, which is a whole other second procedure, and then the gallbladder surgery. So lots of just downtime, healing time, waiting, wondering, is everything okay? Am I going to be good? I was, thank God. And after that stay, I really declared, I said, okay, Better health for the rest of the year and all the years to come. (laughs) Having a baby, having my gallbladder out so close together, it was just a lot to handle. And I really needed to lean in on the Lord. And I really needed to trust him to just take my hand and slowly guide me through the next steps that, you know, of life. And um, in 3 John... Chapter 1, verse 2, it says, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. And I'm happy to say and thankful to say that in those times when I was like beat up and exhausted, I always felt God's presence with me. So he was like, don't worry, I'll replenish you. You just rest. I said, okay, I can do that. So after we got through the gallbladder nonsense, it was the holidays, it was my birthday, it was Thanksgiving, it was Christmas, it was New Year's, such a time to celebrate and enjoy being with your families and just happiness all around and, and everything was going great. Um, because of the, the physical things that my body had been through, I was looking for ways to cope with my pain. They give you, you know, medication and things, but eventually, you know, you get off of that and you want to get away from it, so... I turned to vaping, and I was vaping THC just to help with my, like, numb my body and get me through the day so that I can go be the mom I want to be and need to be and go, you know, to work and things like that at the time I was still working. And uh, unfortunately, instead of really buckling down and just diving into God and letting him be my strength, I fell, and I started vaping. And... um It just wasn't a good thing to add to my current state of health. My immune system was this. I had no immune system at all. Um, And all of a sudden, one day, it was January 9th, we had just celebrated New Year's. I was on the couch, and I'm like, oh, I just kind of feel funny. And I said, am I getting a fever? Of course, the thought that crossed everyone's mind in 2020, am I getting COVID? Like, what is happening? And then not even two days later, and I had seen family in between those couple of days, and they said she looked, you know, totally looked normal. I was sitting on our couch, laying down, and I was breathing like this. (laughs) I could not catch my breath doing nothing. I tried inhaling like a, a bowl of warm water and trying to get everything to open up. And after being like that all day, 
my dad was like, let's take some of her vitals. My blood pressure was through the roof. My oxygen was junk because <laughs> we're not meant to breathe like that. Um, I could not. It was taxing to talk and try and tell people what I needed or what I thought I wanted or whatever. No appetite, no thirst, nothing. And my dad's like, these numbers, we should just get her to the hospital. Let's just go to the emergency room. So Joe and I went, and thank God that we did. Um, when I showed up at the emergency room, I was tempted to just fall on the floor and collapse because it was full of people. And I'm like, I need to navigate through here to tell someone what's wrong. And they're like, we need to, we need you to breathe. And I'm like, well, if I could do that, I would do it. Um, but I can't. So they could see that I was in serious distress and they came right over. They're like, we're going to put you next to this room. You're going to go right in. There was a woman in front of me and I just sat in that chair and Joe waited right outside the ER in the car until he got the text from me on whether I was going to be staying or whether it was something that I'd be able to go home from. And I just sat there struggling, trying to focus, breathe, praying, God, please give, let your breath go through my lungs. Please, God, just get me, get me through that door so I can get some answers. And um, I had a negative COVID test. I had a chest x-ray that showed I had bilateral severe pneumonia. Um, but what was different about this pneumonia was that there was also damage on both of my lungs. They were so inflamed and like red and angry and the, they weren't, they weren't pumping correctly. And the, um, the doctor said that it was so severe that had I waited 24 to 48 hours to come in, I could be dead at home. And I could have drowned in my sleep. I could have drowned on the couch trying to breathe like that. So they said, okay, here's the plan. We're going to put you on this machine and we're going to leave it on for an hour. And then we're going to rescan your chest and your ex your lungs and see if this machine has helped get some of that fluid out, and if not, you're going to have to go on to a ventilator. James, I'm ready for that first picture. That was me with the first machine on, and that's the BiPAP machine. Uh, some people have CPAP machines for sleep apnea, sleep at night. Similar, but it's really intense. It's like your nose is on the highway all by itself. And they're like, breathe into it. And I'm like, ugh. So um, this is pretty much my last memory of being awake because I sent Joe a text while I had that on and I said, Joe, I'm really scared. Like something's, something's really wrong that I, we just didn't see coming. And after that, the doctor said about the ventilator, but you're already on medication. I'm like, what's a ventilator? Like, is that the ventilator? I don't know. So after this picture, lights went out. And while I was sitting there just trying to breathe and focus and do my part, I was praying and I was just begging God to please like let this pass. Like to not be able to breathe, I don't even understand, like know how to explain it or describe it. It's one of the scariest things I've ever experienced in my life. Um, but I found this scripture in Jeremiah, it's 17.4, and it says, Heal me, Lord, and I will be healed. Save me, and I will be saved, for you are the one that I praise. And I love that verse because it is so true. You praise him, you serve him, you seek him, you follow him. He will allow things to unfold, but it's all for his glory. Don't think it's for you and your glory. It's not. It's totally for him. And... um. 
This night was January 12th, and I was put into a medically induced coma at uh, CMC in Manchester, and then I was med-flighted, actually, from Manchester to Leahy in Burlington. And the thing about this story is that it's it's amazing that God has God put someone at very random in each position in my journey here, just like as an assurance of like we're watching you, I'm I'm watching you, I've got you, you're you're gonna be good. And that med flight, my sister in law's brother is a cop, right? Is it no security, sorry, security for the hospital. And he got the call and he was part of that, like and he goes he talked to Tara and said, Oh my goodness, like this is Bethany, you know, and it just hit home for him and um I must have just received my meds when they slipped me into the coma because I remember probably my soul hearing, don't worry, ma'am, we're going to do everything we can to save your daughter. And it was black for me, so it was like this, but I heard those words. And it was the flight uh, med flight person talking to my mom at 4 a.m. on the phone, just telling her, like, look, we don't know, but we're going to try. We're going to do everything we can. So they med flighted me. Leahy's great, um, so they felt good about where I was going. And you can get that next pick, James. This was my state for the next 25 days. Um, that's longer than three weeks. It's a very long time when you have no idea why or what's going on or what's going to happen. And um, it was... I just laid there. I have the towel over my forehead because I had a fever constantly for two weeks. They had no idea why. It took them a good two, two and a half weeks to figure out why. It turns out I was allergic to a couple of medications. They switched things around. And I also developed cardiomyopathy, which is when your heart isn't pumping properly and it can lead to heart failure. Um, I also started to develop sepsis, which is when chemicals are released in your body to fight infection, but it triggers inflammation instead all over the body, and it can lead to organ failure and death. Um, this was a all-out war on my life, and my mom and my family really turned to the Lord because that's all we know how to do, and thank Jesus it's what we know how to do because he's the only one who could have got anything done. He's the only person who could have turned that into this. Someone who can stand in front of you and share his mercy and his grace and his glory. And just how much he loves us, even when we make, make bad decisions. And I, I truly believe that my soul could feel everyone fighting for me. But it didn't know what was going on. So... My mom reached out to people across the world. We reached out to everyone, and I know that there were a ton of war prayer warriors in my corner. And if any of my prayer warriors are here, I thank you so much. And it means the absolute world that you just took a second out of your day to pray for me. I know that God hears all of our prayers, and he keeps them, and he keeps them close to him because he cherishes them. We don't pray for no reason. Um, so God was already starting miracles while I was like this. Um, 
when you are in a state like that, you're supposed to be trached after about 12 to 14 days. That's like hospital standard procedure. I was on a ventilator for 25 days and did not get trached for whatever reason, whether the doctor wasn't there, they had no room in the OR, they just couldn't do it. And I look at that like a huge blessing because it's just another scar, you know? It's another way they cut into you. It's another thing that I would have been reminded about this every single day for the rest of my life, can never, which I will never forget this because of, you know, but I just was very relieved to know that I didn't have another incision, another thing in me. Um, Joe got phone calls day and night from the hospital, updates, you know, how's she doing? Oh, last night she had a bad night. Oh, today she's stable. She's okay. Um, it was like I would take two steps forward and then seven steps backwards. And the unknown was just so much to handle. He, we finally have this blessing of our son, and he has to think about things like, what if I have to raise him on my own? And I'm about to lose my best friend. Like, hi, we've been together since we were kids. So we, we know each other in a way that a lot of people don't know their spouse. And I can't imagine what it would be like to have to think of a world without him. So I can't imagine what he went through thinking about that, about me. But again, miracle. Um, the miracle in that is that during all the COVID stuff, he was actually able to come see me because he said, look, every phone call, can I see her? Can I see her? Can I see her? And they're like, no, it's COVID. No, you can't see her. And he's like, well, I'm just letting you know, I'm going to ask every day, every phone call, I will talk to every person in your facility until you let me see my wife because she's not going to die in there alone without me seeing her. And she's not meant to be in there alone. And if COVID wasn't a thing, I'd have been there already. Right. So they said, we'll have a team meeting. And then they called him back. They said, you've been approved for 15 minutes. He's like, boom, shower, change, everything. Like, I'm out of here. You know, gave mom the baby. Gotta go. And he raced down there to come see me. And he held my hand. And he talked to me. And he touched my head. And he, his voice went into my ears. And he touched my foot. And it was cold. So he warmed it up. And it's just these little things that I truly believe were a miracle for my body physically to help me pull me out of this. And um, while we would FaceTime every day, nothing beats in person. Nothing beats touching the person next to you, you know, that you wake up with every single day. And they ended up giving him an hour. And the nurses are all at the station like, ah, you know, like crying. He made me a collage. And he's like, when she wakes up, I want her to see this so that people, like, she knows we're right there with her. We're in her corner. We're right behind her. And my family would prop me up on someone's phone in the, like, at the kitchen table while they're eating dinner. And they'd play worship music for me and just tell me all about Silas, our son, and how big he is and what he's doing. And it was like they didn't want me to miss a thing. And uh, I really, I really appreciate that because it was really hard to be away for that long. Even when I didn't know I was away, if that makes sense. Um, James, if you want to play that video, this is another miracle because I, 
in that state, I don't remember them talking to me. I wish that I did. It would have been something great to hold on to, um, but I didn't. However, God is so good because when I couldn't control my body, he controlled it for me. When they would talk to me. Beach, beach. Yeah. So I think um, Auntie Kara, well, Kara is going to book us a trip. We're all going to go on a cruise, all of us. The whole family is going to be there. No, 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 it's okay. Calm down. All right? I might be sick on the cruise, but I don't care. And I think um, I think we're going to try to bring Silas, because Auntie Chris said that she's going to watch him while we, we go to the club and have some, some adult night. That'll be fun. No? <laughs> no, you don't want to have fun? Yeah, you do. I want to have fun with you, too. It's okay. You're going to be home real soon, okay? Just take take it easy. We're all praying for you. I've never prayed so hard in my life, dear. I tell you, I can't wait to go to church on Sunday. Yep. And Auntie Chris said, she, when you come home and you're nice and strong, she wants you to take her to church. So I hope I can go. I hope it's on a day that I'm off because I'd love to see Auntie Chris at church too. Yeah. It's okay, honey, okay? You're doing great. I promise you, you're, you're okay. You know I wouldn't lie to you, Bethy. I always tell you the truth. You're doing real good, okay? You're so strong. You're making me so proud of you. Do you want me to go see if dad's up? I think he fell asleep, but I can go wake him up. No? Okay. I'll, I'll let him sleep. I can hear him snoring. That's how I know he's sleeping. Bet you're having some really good dreams. I can't wait for you to tell me all about this. So did you hear the part where she said... I hope you're having really good dreams. God, do I wish that that was the truth. A lot. Of, I get that question all the time. All the time I get that question. What did you dream about? What did you see? And it's like I, I get where it's coming from because a lot of times in the movies, that's what they depict. And, you know, you were in a great place and on par paradise and beach. I wish. Uh, I had straight nightmares the entire for 25 days. 25 days of torture. Um, in my own head, in my own prison here, I had a dream that I was shot and killed. Usually you have a dream that you get hurt, but you don't see yourself die. And I did. Um, I had a dreams that I, uh, nightmares that I miscarried or, uh, or even aborted twin babies after I had just had my baby. Like that would never, I had a nightmare that Joe left me and hated me for losing our babies. And I would try, I don't know if anyone else can do this, but I've heard some people can. When you're at home and you're sleeping, if you're having a nightmare, you can tell yourself, this isn't real, it's time to wake up. And you can wake up. I can do that, and I'm glad I can, but in that moment, that was another nightmare. I couldn't do it, so I'd go from a horrible scenario saying, this isn't real, this isn't real, this isn't real, this isn't real, I'm going to wake up. And then I would go into another nightmare, just starting fresh. And I'm like, and it was exhausting. Um... 
a little funny nightmare, I guess, for everyone to have a little chuckle, is I was trapped in a freezer with Joe Pesci and dead fish because I had just watched the double feature of my cousin Vinny when I was in the emergency room. So I literally have a new meaning and now in a whole new feeling when people say sleeping with the fishes. I'm just like, no, no, thank you. <laughs> um, I did have one dream, one dream that I had. And it was very vague, and it was very quick, and I, I, I wish it would have lasted longer, but I had a dream that I was washing my mother-in-law's hair with my feet in a dark parking lot, and it was raining, and I don't know where we came from, but we were both there, and I was just washing her feet. My hair used to be really long, but I lost a lot of it because of the accident, so... And I was just washing her hair with water. And, and if that's not being like Jesus, like that, and that was my resolution for the year. I wanted to be like Jesus to people. I wanted to be the light that he made me to be. I wanted to stop letting the world snuff me out and, you know, dull my shine and all that. Like, I, I'm meant to be, you know, a jewel from the king. Like, that's who we're meant and called to be, you know? And... When I had that dream of washing her feet, in that second, I just had some peace for a second. And it was so nice. And, Mom, I love you so much, and I'm proud of you. Um, and then to find out that to find out that what I found out when I woke up was during that time, while I was still under, she got saved, and she gave her life to the Lord. And that is a, another miracle before I was even awake. He's doing all these things. We've been praying for her for years, and she finally gave her heart to the Lord. Uh, my sister-in-law has been part of my life forever, pretty much, see me as a kid, and we've been praying for her, too, and she was raised Catholic, raised Catholic so just a little different, and through all of this, she was just like praying every day, worshiping in the word, leaning on, you know, the rest of our family to figure out like, you know, how does this, how does this faith thing work? You know, how does this God thing really work? And, um, so she started seeking him, praying, worshiping, and she said, I have nothing left to give you, Lord. I have prayed. I've gone to church. I've sung to you. I've done all these things. What more do you want from me? What do you want from me? Do you want my heart? Fine. You have it. You have my heart. Four hours later, I woke up out of my coma. <laughs> hours. And he was like, yes. That's what I want. I want your heart. And it brought me to Lamentations 325. The Lord is so good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. And I'm so glad that you started seeking him because he heard you. <laughs> I woke up. Um, they had to switch their wake-up strategy. They had tried to wake me up before by taking me off of paralyzers and sedators, but when they did that, I would start to wake up, and there's this monstrosity going down my throat, and I'd panic. So I, they would have to slip me back under. They did that two or three times. And then on this time, they said, you know what? She's not great, but she's not bad, and she's been worse, so she's okay. Let's try extubating her, so taking the tube out, and then we'll try weaning her off the paralyzers and sedators. So they did that, and it worked. Um, I finally opened my eyes and stopped having nightmares when I saw my mom's face on the iPad. <laughs> 
I just cracked my little peepers open and looked and went, <sighs> and they said, do you know who this is? And I went, uh, and then I knocked back out because I was exhausted from having all those nightmares. Um, <laughs> so praise God. I woke up on February 4th, 2021. When I woke up, oh, thank you. <laughs> praise you, Lord. Thank you for waking me. I was so confused. I had no idea. Like, you know when you take a nap and you fall asleep in the middle of the day and then you wake up and you're like, is it tomorrow? Like, what happened? So I wake up and this wonderful, nice nurse who's in like five layers of plastic and I can't see her mouth and she's like leaning this close and I still can't hear. She's like, do you know where you are? And I was like, yeah, I'm in Manchester at CMC. She's like, no. I'm like, okay, am I at Holy Family? That's where I had my baby. No. I said, all right, well, I've been sleeping for a while, clearly, so why don't you tell me where I'm at? So she told me what had happened and she said, do you know what year it is? And I said, well, we just had New Year's. Like, it felt like it was just yesterday. I said, oh, is it 2022? I thought I missed a whole year because I had thought Joe left me. I thought all these things really happened. And I'm like, it has to have been a year. And she's like, no, we're in February 2021. And I felt kind of a little bit of relief, but I was still like just having a tube down your throat for that long. You're kind of like not, you're obviously not yourself. And I'm like, you know, coughing and can barely talk and everything's whispery. And even that was taxing. I was very confused. So they moved me from like the vent farm where everyone's on ventilators. And I was one of like the only two people who weren't COVID related. Thank you, Jesus, that they couldn't just slap that COVID label on me and send me down the line to just wait and see what happens. Right. Um, so I woke up and I went into ICU and I was in ICU for five days. Uh, I thought the nightmares were scary. <sighs> ICU is so scary. And I just happened to be in the room right next to or across from the, um, the exit to it where the coroner van pulls up and takes the people in the bags out the door. I watched 10 people bodies, people go through that door and into that van. And I just kept thinking, am I going to be next? Like, I know that I'm awake, but just because I'm awake doesn't mean I'm good. Like, doesn't mean I'm going to get better. doesn't mean I'm not going to leave here in a body bag. And I just started, and the fear set in. And I was like, okay, I have to get home to my baby. That's all I know. I have to get home to my baby. I, I don't want to die, like all the things. And I was detoxing off of very strong medication. I, they had put me on fentanyl while I was in my coma. I lost a cousin to that, and uh, that was really hard. So they didn't tell me that part until after I had been home for a couple of weeks. They wanted me to just, you know, deal with getting better and stronger and, you know, fill in the blanks later. But that's important to know because I have a whole new sympathy for people who detox off of things like that. And when I tell you the things that I was seeing were real, if you reach out and touch the person next to you, they were real. That would be like someone telling Pastor Pamela is not real and she's not really here. That's, you know, come on. So um, 
I was on the BiPAP that you saw earlier. They would alternate between that and what's called the nasal cannula. And again, it's just like you're on the highway, just your nose is on the highway. And they're forcing that oxygen into your lungs to continue to push out the fluid. Most of the fluid was already out because while I was in the coma, that's what the ventilator was doing. It was pushing and pushing and pushing for me. Um, while I was detoxing and laying in ICU, when I tell you putting up my hand was taxing, I mean, I could break a sweat just trying to put my hand up. I just laid there. And, but your mind is going. It's going and going and going and going. And I had these horrible hallucinations where there was a woman in the next room and she had a stillborn baby and she was screaming and mourning that loss and I'm sitting in my bed crying like I want to get up and hug her and like comfort her and tell her that your baby's with Jesus like I want to do all these things and I can't even move and then I had this vision or feeling that whenever my feet would touch in bed I would think that her gray baby was in my bed so I would constantly lift up my sheets like this and the nurses came in and they're like what are you doing and I'm like and I was nonverbal for like two or three days because of all the damage that the tube had done to my throat so I couldn't even communicate with these people and they're like what's the matter and their famous line is oh just get some sleep and I'm like like if you wouldn't be sleeping if you were seeing all this stuff going on I had a hallucination that in the room right across the hall a doctor was euthanized and like and he was all scrubbed up and he was sitting on the table and then it happened and then I watched him go from flesh to gray and I'm like what is happening in this hospital um, when I was able to communicate with the nurses I told them about these things and they were like we don't even have labor and delivery in this hospital. So I knew that was null and void, never happened. And then they're like, euthanization is not legal in the state of Massachusetts. And I'm like, well, there's that. So, but like I said, like you can feel the person next to you. It's like someone's telling you that you know it's there, it's not there. But drugs are a bad thing. But they got me to where I need to be when I needed them, so it was good. But um, I just kept telling myself, my mom kept saying to me, I know it's hard. I know it's hard to keep these machines on. I know it's hard to try to do these things that you can't do, that they're asking of you to do, but just do whatever they tell you to do because whatever they're telling you to do needs to happen in order for you to come home. And I'm like, okay, so whatever it was, no matter how uncomfortable, no matter how taxing, I did it. And I pushed through. And I never would have done that without the Lord because I wanted to just lay there. I just wanted to lay there and just see if I was going to be in one of those bags next and, you know, all that. But I'm like, nope, time to fight. While I was in my room, day, day three or four in the ICU, I had a spiritual encounter. And James, if you want to pull up the next uh, picture. That's me on the phone with Joe when I woke up. And if you can see, my eyes are very glued to the left side of my room. I was laying there. It was really quiet. Nurses had just come in to check on me, so they left. I'm just laying there, and I've got like my worship music playing. And, and all of a sudden, it felt like the room got like 20 degrees colder. And I'm like freezing already. And I'm like, oh. And all of a sudden, in the corner of my room, from the ground, it just started 
this figure just started to appear. And I don't know if anybody's seen the movie Aladdin, but like, you know how the genie's like big on the top, very pompous, arrogant, you know, cocky, yeah. It was in the shape of that. It had red eyes, no horns, and it was the devil. He was in my room. Again, like I tell you, you can touch the person next to you. I was like, he's coming for me. He's going to walk to my bed and take me. And he started laughing. Ha, 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 ha. That maniacal, villainous laugh that we all hear in the Disney movies. And it's like, but this is a whole new level of fear because this is so real. And he said, take a look around. Take a look around. This is the last room you are ever going to be in. I am taking you out. You see those bags? I got one just for you. And I started to cry, and I was just crying, and he's laughing at me, getting a kick out of it. He's like, <laughs> she's scared, got her right where I want her, nice and weak. I'm going to get her. And in my sobbing, in my shaking from fear, again, you can't move. You cannot move. All of a sudden, I felt someone grab my hand. And I'm in a room by myself. And, I, and he's over here, and this is the hand that got grabbed. And I look over, and it's Jesus. And he is sitting there in a chair, like a visitor, holding my hand. Holding my hand. And he said, Bethany, you are my child. I made you. I brought you here. I will say when you leave, and it is not today. It is not today. It is not soon. Just because you are sick doesn't mean you're done. He's like, he doesn't even know your name. And that was the case. The, the entity or the devil, the enemy, whatever you call him, he never said my name. And, but he said he knew me. I know you. I'm coming to get you. And then whenever Jesus just said my name and said, he can't, he, he can't even touch you. What's he going to do to you? He's like, you're my child. You are the love of my life. And I'm going to make you strong. And I'm going to give you abundant healing. You thought you were healthy before. You are going to be so healthy. You're going to be the healthiest you've ever been in your whole, whole life. I'm going to make all this awfulness go away. And it's going to be good. And I'm like, and all of a sudden, it was like someone jolted me. And I realized who I was. I'm a child of God. I was born into a praising, worshiping, tongue-speaking, church-going family. Like, we know the Lord. We know the enemy. And we choose to not even entertain him. And I'm like, what am I doing sitting here crying? I can do something better. And I started speaking in tongues because it was the only part on me that wasn't, you know, completely flopped. And I just started speaking in tongues and speaking in tongues and looking at him and speaking in tongues at him. And, and he was getting mad and he was <gasps> like, he just, he wanted to come and grab me, but he knew who was holding my hand and he knew who put that around me and who protects me and who calls me his. And he disappeared. He just disappeared. 
And Jesus kept saying, he kept rubbing my hand like with his thumb like that. And he was like, good job, baby girl. He's like, you know, he's like, I know exactly what you were saying, but he has no idea. The best way to get away from the enemy is by speaking in tongues. I firmly believe that. Um, and a scripture to go along with that little story is Psalm 30, verse 2. And it says, Lord, my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. And I can stand here today and confidently say that he did heal me a thousand percent. Not just a hundred, but a thousand percent. And um, I'm thankful for that experience because just as much as the fear was real and the sorrow and the worry the confidence and the motivation and the determination and the love and all that way exceeded the fear and it turned into a battle and I was like it is on let's go watch me watch me now and God's gonna get me through it because the only way I'm gonna do it is with him so a couple days after that happened I just you know kept my spirits up kept talking to family was trying to tell them what happened but again no vocal production and um, I had five days in a private room. I was still on oxygen, a catheter, a feeding tube. I did PT, physical therapy and occupational therapy and swallowing therapy all in my room. Um, and for the first time in 32 days, I stood for the first time. Go ahead, James, put that up there with that machine. And it was truly amazing to be on my feet again, literally on my feet again. And um, you didn't get to do a ton of therapy because it's a hospital and they're so busy. So at that point, I just wanted to get to rehab. So I'm like, get me to rehab, Lord, please. And uh, on my last day in the private room, they took out my catheter, they took out my feeding tube, and they took off my oxygen, which is a miracle because usually when you're on a ventilator you go home on oxygen and that just wasn't 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 gonna happen for me god was like nope watch this um so everyone was just blown away and i finally got to go to rehab on day 34 and i knew i was gonna have to work hard and i knew i was gonna have to push myself but every doctor every nurse every therapist was like you are a train wreck on paper and you have gone through a lot. They're like, how is this where you're at in your progress? And I just kept saying, it's miraculous healing by the blood of Jesus. There is no other explanation, no other reason why I'm even standing here today. Because it could have gone a different way. And I could be a memory instead of who I am still. Um, God surrounded me with people. Oh, when I was in the hospital still... Jordan Cordero, she used to come here. I think she just recently moved. She was a nurse there, and she took care of me there. And then when I went to rehab, my cousin Liana's best friend, her grandmother, who was a Christian, works at that facility. And she sent her a text saying that I was coming. So she's like, we got extra love your way, and, you know, ask for red and whatever. And it just, it, he was constantly putting someone in my path so that I would always feel that physical hand grab you know these people are actually touching me like I can feel that realness and I know it's real and um, I really miss my family a lot obviously that goes without saying but I had um, a window seat actually James you can go to the next picture this is me in rehab I had a window seat and I was in that room for five days 
and my family was able to come to the window on the outside and see me and we put each other on speakerphone and you know so I didn't have to shout because I was like talking like this it was like really crazy and you know Valentine's Day passed my family brought a ton of gifts for me and they made me super comfy and just showered me with love and it was very emotional I'm usually the one that likes to be like everything's gonna be okay don't worry about it like we're gonna get through this and whatever so to be under and not be able to say anything was torture in its own way after the fact Um, but my occupational therapist on my last day at rehab said she asked me how or why if my personality had been impacted by this whole accident. She's like, I, I, that happens a lot. You know, when people go through something like this and they're down and out for this long, they don't usually wake up the same person. Um, and I said, no, no, I feel like I'm totally myself, actually. Like, I feel like I am the same person I was that I was when I came into the first emergency room. I was like, I don't feel like that. And they're like, how can you be so pleasant and positive with everything you've just been through? I said, how could I not be? How could I not be so happy to be here? How could I not be? He chose me to live again. He chose to give me a second chance. He's not done with me yet. And I'm very okay with that. I'm very thankful for that. I can't wait to see. I thought I was excited when we just brought the baby home, but no, no, no. Now I can't wait to see what he has in store for not just me, but my whole family. And on day 45, I was going home. Yep, 12 days of rehab, and I was safe and strong enough to go home to my family. They had to install things in the bathroom, like handy accessories and stuff like that. Um, I had to be a first floor dweller for a while, so it was very sad to see people go up the stairs, and I'm like, oh. But... (laughs) Um, especially with my son sleeping upstairs. You know, you're very like, oh, wait a minute, I'm home now. I can do all this. No, you can't. You cannot. So I had visiting nurse, visiting physical therapy, and visiting uh, occupational therapy. And after two visits with the occupational therapist, she graduated me. She's like, you can go take a shower. You're good. Uh, You can, you know, do these little things with your baby. You're good. And then the physical therapist I saw until late April, But she got me up those stairs in a week. In one week of being home and being in a walker. A walker. And now I'm going upstairs with a cane. I I was beyond excited. Um, It was hard sometimes because, you know, now I'm home. Oh, I want to do this and this and that. But there are restrictions. And I had to listen to my body. And I would get so discouraged And I would start to feel like maybe I shouldn't have come home. Maybe I shouldn't have come home this early. I feel like I'm a burden on my family. They did nothing but they worried about me the whole time I was out. Now they're taking care of, you know, everything on top of it. And now they're taking care of me too. Like I should have just stayed in rehab, you know. But that's the enemy wanting to get into my head and tell me that I'm not doing as good as I am. And God's like, no, 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 no. He said... I was there with you. I saw you through this. You're going to get better and better and better. And he would just encourage me and comfort me when I felt like nobody else would understand because nobody else was there. But he was. The whole time, not once, was I alone. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. 
And I want that to be my whole life. I don't ever want to think I'm walking alone because I'm never walking alone. It doesn't matter how deep the valley is. It doesn't matter how high the river gets. It doesn't matter how much fire is on the land. It doesn't matter. No matter where you're at, God's with you, and God meets you in those places when you're broken and when you're sad, but he meets you when you're happy, and he wants to rejoice with you too and encourage you, and, you know, it's, it's so much of both. He's just, he's amazing. Um, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Jesus Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I was born and raised in this church. (laughs) I am so thankful that I have had an example of God my whole life, multiple women, multiple men in my life. I'm very thankful and fortunate for that. And my faith is the one thing that I never, ever, 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 ever will move or budge on, ever. You are not going to tell me that God isn't real. You're not. You're not going to tell me that he can't perform miracles because I am standing right in front of you. So unless I'm not here... They happen. He does it. He does it. He does it. Um, A few things that I took away from all of this is just that it was the hardest battle of and for my life. Never lose hope. Hope, hope, always hope. Jesus is our hope in tomorrow. Jesus is our hope in our future. Jesus is the hope for our children. And Hold tight to God's promises because when he tells you he's going to do something, he's going to do it. It might not be in the time frame that we think he meant, but he's going to do it. He's going to do it, and he's going to do it well. He goes above and beyond for his children and the people that he loves and that love him and seek him. Keep your faith strong. Strong, unshakable, unbreakable, undoubtable, strong. If you feel like you have another relationship in your life that maybe has more than what you have with God, you need to reevaluate that because I'm telling you, that relationship won't get you nearly as far as having the Lord in your corner pocket and having him lead you and having him be, you know, your guide and your pusher and everything and your motivation. When things are at their worst, you are never, ever, ever alone. Ever. And, um there's a song that really got me through a lot of what I went through. My mom introduced me to it while I was still in the hospital, and when I heard it, I formed into a puddle because I was crying so much because I was just like, this is, this is, this is it. Like, I feel every single word in this song. So before James plays it, I'll close out with my favorite scripture. It's Isaiah 43.2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, and the flames will not set you ablaze. They will not. And that's, that's God's word, so I know that that's, he means it, and it's the truth. And I, you, we can walk every day knowing that that's the case. And um, 
the song that really spoke to us the most, our whole family, was that there was a, another in the fire.
much for hearing my story. And also, on a great note, I just got a call from my doctor like not long ago, last week, that my echocardiogram that I had done about a month ago looked perfect. And that there's nothing wrong with my heart. There's nothing wrong with my lungs. There's no lasting damage coming from any of this. And I'm so thankful. Awesome. Holy smokes. Why don't we all stand oh, together? Hey, man. Hey, Joe, come on up. This is Bethany's husband, Joe. Sandy and Pete, come on, you might as well come up too. Come on up. In fact, all the Bissonies, come on up here if you can. Come on. So many things. So many things. Everyone, just come on up here. Um, Pete and Sandy, your 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 life's. Let me get over here. Your your life's your life's joy is raised in a Christian family, and all that came together with this episode. So praise God for you for your input and all the extended family. Um, I think we should close the service. I want to read one scripture. And then I want everyone to come forward, everyone to come forward. I want Bethany to pray over you today, okay? The one scripture is found in 1 Peter 5.10. It says, May the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you suffered a while, may he perfect you, establish you, strengthen you and settle you to him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever amen now i know there are people here that are going through things you're suffering your health issues whatever but after you go through that the god of grace like we just heard will settle you and strengthen you and establish you for his purposes so I was going to ask for anyone who wanted special prayer, but then I figured everyone's going to want special prayer. So everyone, come on up here. Just make your way up, everyone. And I'm going to ask Bethany to pray over you. After we, after we do that, if anyone here needs to receive Jesus today, listen to me. After we pray overall, you know, if there's anybody here that needs to receive Jesus, don't walk out the door. Everyone else will go, go your way. And, but those that, that need to receive Jesus, I want you to wait right here in the front. And I'll be happy to speak with you and talk with you and pray with you to receive Jesus into your life. Everyone clear?
So we're going to just pray an overall prayer, blessing and healing, and then amen, and then everyone could go. But if you need salvation today, don't go. Stay right here in the front. Father God, we're blessed to be in your house today. But we're even more blessed that you live with us every single day. You're with us when we come in. You're with us when we leave. I pray over every single person in this building, Lord God. I pray for everyone to feel you in them like they feel the shower run over them, Lord God. I pray that your healing waters, mental, emotional, physical, psychological, everything, you can touch it all. You can fix it all. You can heal it all. And if it's not time for it to be fixed, you can give them the grace to get through it until it is. Father God, I pray that you draw that people draw close to you after hearing what how close you were to me. You pulled me out of the pit. The pit that I could have just been buried over, Lord. I could have just been buried over. But you came down into the pit. You didn't even just take me out. You came down into it. And that's what you do. You meet us where we're at. Whether we're in a good place, a bad place, a sad place, a scary place. You meet us there. And nothing is ever too much for you. When I think I'm too much for people, you tell me you're perfect. You're just the way I made you. Lord God, grab everyone's hand like you grabbed mine, Lord God. Let them have no doubt that you are real and that you love them. You knew them before they were even a person. You know their future, Lord God, and it's bright. If it has you in it, it is bright. There's happiness to look forward to. There's relief from burden. Addiction is broken. Chains are broken. Everything is better when you're involved and when you're leading us. Lord God, please let people cling to you. Let them stay so close to you and continue to seek you and trust you. But most of all, just to love you and get to know you. You're amazing. You're sweet. You're funny. You're you're everything that we need. We just need you. And Jesus, if there are people here that don't know who you are, I pray that there's a hunger now in their bellies and in their hearts and in their minds to learn more about this Jesus who we serve and love and who we trust with our lives, our families, our futures, things that we have no control over. Lord God, you are in control always. And when we think that we're just in a mess for no reason, you have a plan for it. You have a plan for it to use it to glorify you. And I pray that everyone can have an amazing experience with you like I have. Lord God, you're right there. Just let them reach out and touch you. In Jesus' name, keep everyone safe as we leave today. And have a great week. And thank you for this opportunity to share my story that you gave me. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Bethany, some people may want to say hello to you, so that's good. Um, Listen, have a great day. Uh, There's a prayer meet, live stream prayer meeting tonight at 6. If there's anyone here that needs to receive Jesus, please don't leave. See me right here down at the altar. 
and I'll be happy to talk with you and pray for you. God bless you. Thank you, Bethany, so much. Praise the Lord. Jesus is worthy.